Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome to a beautiful, beautiful day. You are listening to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your host, Julie Jancis, and I am sitting outside on the most beautiful day. The birds are chirping. I am just looking at this beautiful cardinal. We have a family of cardinals that has just moved into our backyard, and I just feel so blessed. And that's the angel message of today. So I'm just going to share this brief angel message with you, and then we'll dive into the show. But the angel message of today is the vibration, right? Not the word gratitude, not the word blessings, the energy, the vibration of gratitude. What is gratitude? I have been living in a state this summer of just feeling so incredibly blessed. Like you think that you know different vibrational frequencies of different emotions we talk about. Like when you feel so filled with love, like that your heart is just overflowing with love for your child or your partner or a family member, you feel that palpably. And God and my spirit team has just been working with me this summer to live in this state of being where I feel so overflowing with just thanks, right? Like like I could just cry right now talking about it, just so thankful for every little thing, for the beautiful cardinals who are in the backyard, for this big, huge, beautiful sky that I'm looking up into, for the cute, precious, soft little puppies, my dog babies right in front of me. It's not about big things or having things. It's just about what's in front of us and being grateful to the point that our heart is just overflowing with thanks to the divine, to God, universe, source, to everybody on the other side who's helping us every step of the way for even just getting to be here, right? Like, I don't even know. I've just been so filled with gratitude and just thanks this summer that I feel like I could just kind of like cry at the energy of it and, and how it fills you. And so the angel message today that I really prayed on and wanted to share is that the vibration and holding the vibration of gratitude amplifies itself. So when I say amplifies, it like increases, 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 just like, you know, those round dials for the volume, like on an old school radio or your car radio, where you can turn the dial, amplifies the volume. It's the same with gratitude, with just feeling so thankful, so blessed, 
and for all the little things, right? The the sky, the beautiful backyard, the trees, the insects just chirping away right now, just getting to be here, getting to live this life. When you can identify and hone in on the things that you're truly thankful for that are showing up like right here, right now, they're in your life already. And you're so grateful for it. You start to see that the volume, the energy, the vibration of gratitude and thanks just starts to turn up, up, up in your life where you feel this just beautiful sense of oneness amplified in your life and it becomes a foundational thread of how you live your life just like feeling so blessed feeling so thankful for all of the blessings that god has brought into your life and as i say that my cardinals in the backyard are doing this beautiful little dance in front of me flapping their wings friends I encourage you to hone in on this in your life. Also, we are not switching around the days. It's just this week. We did put the angel story on uh, Monday. We thought we were going to use another angel story today, but it's not completed yet. So what we're actually going to do is air an interview. So I'm sorry for the mix up in days this week. If you want to go back and listen to the angel story on Monday, that's okay. But here is a beautiful, beautiful interview that I had done uh, at the beginning of June or maybe the end of May. All right, friends, remember to bring that gratitude in your life and just allow it to show up and amplify within your heart. Have a beautiful day and enjoy listening to this episode. So my dad passed away in 2015. We weren't talking and it took a month for his family to track me down. Before I ever knew he was gone, I started hearing from him in heaven. It consumed me. How is communication with the other side even possible? I left my corporate gig, studied with spiritual teachers on every coast and worked with my angels to figure out the answers. Today, my mission is teaching you how to raise your vibration Shift your thoughts, trust your intuition, develop your unique spiritual gifts, and connect with your loved ones and angels on the other side. Friends, when you have these tools, life really does become heaven on earth. Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your host, Julie Jancis. And today we are here with Dr. Kelly Freyden. She is the author of How to Help Your Family Through COVID-19, Parenting in a Pandemic. Now we are here May 25th, 2021, and we are recording this knowing that it's going to go up back to school time uh, around August, beginning of September, 2021. And so we have all new tips for you parents who are kind of headed into this new school year. Dr. Frayden, thank you so much for being here. Yes. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat about what back to school will be like this year. 
Yes. So you've been a pediatrician for 10 years. Tell us a little bit more about your book and about yourself. Yes. You know, so I have kind of experience in multiple areas. So I was actually a childhood cancer survivor. So I kind of understood the impact of healthcare as a patient first. And that's part of what led me to pursue medicine. And then I was a psychology major undergrad and very into like understanding people's mental health and how that impacts their physical health. I've worked in different settings. My first uh, job as a pediatrician was doing complex care management in a hospital. So helping kids who were really sick and needed to come to the hospital often. And we would, we would take care of them in the clinic and the, the hospital, the emergency room, wherever they would be. <laughs> then I transitioned to working in a public health capacity for New York City Department of Health. And I was doing school health and sort of a safety net program for kids with asthma and diabetes before the pandemic hit. And obviously when the school shut down, our program essentially shut down too. So because I was home, um, Zoom schooling, pandemic schooling, my three and seven-year-old, I <laughs> took that as an opportunity to like write a book and try to put together some resources to help other families that were struggling the way mine were to kind of remain afloat during such a tumultuous time. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. And thank goodness you did because everything in your book is just so incredible and it's available on Amazon. If anybody wants to pick it up, we'll put all of that information in the show notes. I want to talk about, you know, we've been through so much. Kids have been through so much. It's been a very traumatizing year for them. How do we look at the 2021-22 school year and help kids of all ages, because it, it's not just one group. It's everybody, I feel like, who's still kind of struggling. And we can't expect them, right, to just snap out of this. It took a while to get into this spot. It's going to take a while to get out, correct? Absolutely. I mean, we have never had a pandemic of this scale, right? As a like academic person, I try to look in the research to see like what can I guess will will happen as we all recover from this. And the closest proxy is that it, Korea um, a few years ago had the MERS epidemic, and that was another coronavirus that caused a lot of problems there. And it was you know a few thousand people ended up hospitalized. But even after you know six months after that smaller scale pandemic, we saw that the rates of anxiety and depression and post-traumatic stress in Korea had doubled at a population level. So so now here we are, you know, in the United States, we're dealing with a pandemic that has personally touched the lives of so many with thousands of people who have lost loved ones and and millions of cases who have been fearful and concerned. And so, so what is the size of the impact this is going to have on us going forward. It's going to be big and I think it's going to take time to recover. And I'm so um, glad to be chatting with you about ways in which we can kind of help our families, our loved ones to recover from what's been such a stressful time. Yeah. So talk to us about some of those strategies. You know, I haven't looked up any of the statistics on this, but I've heard in the middle school, high school age children, there's been an uptick in some, let's say, very heavy depression beyond. I know that there's a lot of kids that listen to this, so I just want to kind of keep it sensitive to talk to us about this 
because I've heard of a lot of parents saying they've seen more impatient stays for children in those age ranges. Have you seen that this has increased as well? Yes, absolutely. So, uh, you know, during the pandemic, with everybody kind of hunkered down at home, pediatricians did not see a lot of colds and flus or ear infections or pneumonia like we normally do in the wintertime. Um, but what we saw was our offices were full of kids, um, you know, struggling to cope with all the changing circumstances and the isolation and the physical inactivity and the disrupted sleep that it really has had an impact on kids of all ages, even the younger ones. Though sometimes, um, you know, sometimes kids kind of show you when they're struggling more than they tell you. So it takes a little bit of detective work sometimes to understand whether there there is sort of trauma behind some of the signs kids will show you. Like kids may have, younger kids may have tics or may change their eating patterns. They may lose weight or gain weight. And, and that may be a demonstration of, of their mental health kind of impacting their physical health, you know, tummy aches and headaches. Sometimes rather than a kid, expecting a child to be like, I'm feeling really anxious today. You know, this the kids will like, kind of give you these subtle clues. So as a parent, I think one of the most, the first things we can do is recognize it when our children are struggling. Because sometimes we don't want to see it and we we just want everything to be okay. I, I think we can normalize it and recognize it. But of course, people are struggling. It's been a hard time. And the first step to getting better is like recognizing that we need to do some work. 100%. Friends, have you ever heard of ancestral trauma? It is us having deep-seated wounds within us that really cause us to behave in certain ways, and it infiltrates our relationships, our work, and our life as adults. So friends, in September, we are doing an entire course on ancestral trauma. And you can purchase this course, take it with us live or anytime afterwards. But all of September, the entire month of September will all be about ancestral trauma. And you can head over to the website, theangelmedium.com to take that course. We're going to be bringing in your angels, working with your angels to help you release spiritually some of these old wounds that you've been holding on to. Also, remember that when you write a five-star positive review, we enter you into a monthly drawing to win a free session with me. This month's winner is in the show notes below. One more thing, friends, if you want to do this work for yourself, if you want to be a healer who works one-on-one with people, you have to go through a training program to learn how to do this work. And I would love to help you with that. If you want more information on my Angel Reiki School, where you learn how to develop your spiritual gifts, also hop on over to my website, The Angel Medium, and look up The Angel Reiki School. Now let's dive back into the show.
So I want to know, you know, I've got a couple of questions here and they're totally in different directions. So you take these at your own pace. Two things. So the first is what are like those signs kind of for every age? Because I've got a daughter who's, you know, more the late elementary. Is that going to be different than really like the earlier ones who are saying they've got the tummy aches? How do you know, too, when it's so bad that you need to get your child outside help or even when they need an inpatient stay. And I ask this because I've had a lot of um, people coming to me and talking to me about various different stories that they've seen. A couple of the parents that I've talked to have said, Julie, my child actually learned some other bad behaviors while they were in inpatient. And I want to make sure that everybody's getting the help that they need. But sometimes I don't know exactly what to say to folks when they say something like that, you know, and, and it's hard and it's so complex. And I just say, you know, go talk to the professionals about that piece because I'm not an expert in that. What do you say to them? Yeah, great question. So I guess I'll start first by thinking about the different age groups. Yeah. So we do see that statistically kids kind of before puberty are lower risk for having sort of traditional anxiety and depression. It happens, but it's just less frequent. So in those age groups, we see things more like perfectionism, um, which is a subtle sign of anxiety. We see um, restrictive eating behaviors or compulsive activities like hand washing or safety checks or needing excessive reassurance. And we see, we see ticks. We also see the sort of physical complaints we mentioned, like the headaches and tummy aches and the withdrawal from the activities they enjoy. So that's what I would look for for the kids kind of before puberty. And then after puberty, um, we're more likely to see the signs of anxiety and depression like we would see in adults. So, you know, the, the ruminations and negative thought processes, the impaired sleep or excessive sleep, the sadness and tearfulness, the feeling like hopeless and more life, you know, not what, it, what you'd like it to be. So those are the things that we look for. And, and I think as parents think about if these, if it sounds like your child is facing some of these things, I'd really encourage you not to try to solve it alone. Like during this pandemic, I started cutting my child's hair and I'm not a barber and it was not <laughs> a pretty situation. And we all tried to like pinch it and be teachers, but but we can't be everything for our children. And sometimes the additional perspective of a pediatrician or a psychologist or, or a guide counselor at school, the children sometimes will confide in these professionals, things that they won't tell their parents. And by asking for help, you can kind of just open the door to getting more information and more resources. And and sometimes I hear parents saying that they they want to holistically address these things. So that prevents them from seeking help. But just because you're seeking help, it doesn't mean that like the only path is not to medicate your child. You know, that may that may be one option and maybe a good option depending on what you're facing, but it's not the only one. And any provider who cares about the well-being of children should be respectful to honoring your preferences for how you proceed, you know, valuing your privacy, valuing the the, the things that are important to you about, about promoting your family's well-being. So, uh, you know, I think you can get that extra evaluation, another, another set of eyes, another set of ears for your child. And then you can decide what to do. I think there, there are 
sort of steps that we can take to promote our children's mental health, sometimes the basics are very easy to neglect, like healthy sleep. We know that if you're getting like an hour less sleep a night, you're you're like 40% more likely to feel anxious during the day. So sleep deprivation is one of the most important things I think we can do to promote, you know, help our children with anxiety, help promote their focus in school. And, and along those lines too, it's physical activity. It's been so hard for kids who may not have had the access to sports and activities that they normally do to get those like high intensity uh, physical exercise. But but we know that when kids exercise, like it helps their mental health um, in such a deep and meaningful way. And so sometimes when we see um, the the impact of the pandemic on mental health, there will be some people who definitely just need like full court press, frequent therapy visits, a psychiatrist, consider medication. But there will also be this big population of people who are struggling to cope with these new stresses and this new environment and all the changes for a lot of people focusing on the basics of promoting mental health can make a big difference. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I call that like our earthbound spirit team though too, right? Like you need a spirit team over here that can help you physically, whether that be counselors and pediatricians and doctors and, you know, bring everybody together and use all of your resources available to bring in that health. The other thing that was really coming to me that I've seen a lot of is it's just progress, right? It's not perfection. It's just these baby steps forward in our own evolution or our kids' evolution. And it seems like every time I go to the the counselor and I'm a big advocate of going to see a counselor or therapist regularly, something new will come out that I didn't even know was just kind of within my energy, within my auric field that I was holding on to. And yeah, I totally agree. It's a wonderful way to just it's a it's a thing that I think everybody needs. Yes, and um, there's this body of, of research that that has a lot of relevance here, and it's it's about the ACEs research. So ACEs are adverse childhood experiences, and these are sort of traumatic experiences, and they're they include like ten different things, such as losing a loved one as a child, or like having a parent who's incarcerated, or dealing with substance abuse or depression themselves disrupted home life these things um these things have a big effect on children long term like uh, we know that that it increases their risk of having heart disease and diabetes 20 30 years later what's useful about this body of research is that it's focused on on what we can do to heal and how we can promote resilience and what the research has found is that having safe supportive and nurturing relationships um, with anyone, whether it's uh, another parent in your neighborhood or somebody at your church or a counselor or a teacher or, you know, these, uh, if, if a child has at least one and ideally three of these like safe, stable relationships, they're much less likely to have the long-term consequences of trauma. And as I anticipate what kids are going through, I mean, I think for a lot of children, the experience of the pandemic has been a trauma. So as we recover from the trauma, I think supporting communities and supporting relationships and rebuilding that sense of connection with others can be such a core way to help um, help kids. Wow, that is incredible. What did you say that statistic was and that body of research? Those numbers were just wow. Yes, I, I'm happy to send you some more links about that. So Nadine yeah. Harris Burke um, 
She is a doctor out in California who's done a lot of research in this field. And she she wrote a book actually about it as well, which is excellent. But even the CDC website has a wealth of knowledge about it because these early childhood traumas, they really do have like a meaningful impact on so many aspects of our health lifelong. But rather than worry about all the bad that can come of trauma, I really like to focus on all the good that can come of like um, mitigating that trauma. Because parents, I think you think you need to be a therapist or you need to be a psychologist or a doctor to like help your child, but you don't. What What it said is it's not like they even looked to see if more educated parents had uh, a more powerful effect at mitigating these traumas, and they didn't. It was just the love and the nurturing and the support that made such a big difference for these children. So, so the idea that like you as a parent are are what your child needs is like a really empowering and evidence based thing that I hope yeah. that I hope families can work from that. Oh, I love that. So talk to us more about that. And let's focus on that because that's beautiful. I'd love to hear more too about your story. I didn't realize that you were a survivor of childhood cancer. Tell us about that. And how much does that like incorporate into your work today? Yes. So, um, you know, I was young. I was only like three when I fell out of bed and, uh, I had bad abdominal pain and my mom rushed me to the hospital. They thought I had appendicitis and they tried to take out my appendix. And then of course it was like, oh, there's just internal bleeding. And back in the eighties in rural North Carolina, they didn't have a lot of technology. So they thought my parents had been abusing me actually. <laughs> and my mom ended up sneaking me out the stairwell and taking me to Duke Children's Hospital where they made the appropriate diagnosis. And I had a great team of doctors there who were really like trailblazers and so inspiring in terms of what they've been able to do scientifically to help families with cancer. But I think what I've taken from that experience more than anything is sort of the perspective of what it's like to be a patient and what it's like to be, a you know, my mother had a harder time than I did, right? Because when your child is sick, you know, I was three or four and I was, I just want to play. I just like, if, if I could go to the playroom or get a new toy, it was a good day, even if I was sick, you know, but my mother, it was so hard on her, the fear and the uncertainty. And it's given me greater insight into how sometimes parents can feel it, the very like institution of medicine. Sometimes it's a way of like stripping people of their power. Um, because you're vulnerable when you're sick and you're vulnerable when you need help. And so I, I think it's made me a better doctor by helping me understand that um, sometimes even even people who are very confident advocates in some parts of their life, when they're in that vulnerable position of like being in a gown on a doctor's office, like they it, it can be hard to advocate for yourself and speak up. And so I, I think taking the extra time and finding a a provider who's really able to kind of relate to you as a person and help you preserve your personhood despite whatever you're facing medically is really important. Yeah. I had that recently where, well, when my daughter was younger, she went through a lot. She was in the hospital um, for, because she's just a very medically complex child, was born with a syndrome. And I had to learn to 
advocate for her because I just felt like doctors were gods pretty much at the time. You know, I had only had maybe strep throat and a couple little things here and there. Never dealt with any major illness, was blessed in that way, but had to learn that when she was inpatient in the children's hospital and you're only seeing these specialty doctors for five minutes here, five minutes there, that you had to really have all of your questions prepped in advance and how to like really work through all of that. But I had it recently too, where I had to hire like a lawyer just to kind of set like the foundational stuff for the business. And I've always felt like I never want to talk to a lawyer, you know, and same kind of like with doctors, you don't know how to speak to them sometimes. And so I found the person that I connected with the best and it it like felt like talking to a friend and it's made it so much easier. So you're right. When you have that really great connection with the person, it brings a totally different energy into your healing journey, I'd say, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, and this is actually exactly what my, my next book is about. It's about, it's called like advanced parenting. And it's about like techniques for when, when you have to help your family through a challenge, because so many parents have the same kind of experience of like, you know, you don't know how to navigate this complex system and how to, how to advocate for your family. And like, what do you need to do? And, and you have to learn the hard way, like when things are stressful. And, and so the idea behind why I wanted to write it is because I would love to like make it so you don't have to learn the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> and also like <laughs> help others in our community like kind of understand the stress and and what what parents go through. You know, because sometimes I think uh our even colleagues, people never really understand what it's like to have a child who's facing a challenge unless they've been through it themselves or have a family member. And the truth is that like most kids have a big challenge come up, whether it's like a mental illness or a, or a learning disability or a learning difference or, you know, a medical diagnosis. And so to kind of normalize that and make those people feel seen and what can be like a very solitary struggle is like what the, the idea behind the book is. Oh, that's fantastic. I love that. Well, I wonder too, like, you know, we brought you on because uh, you and I had kind of connected offline, but I'm wondering, like, in your journey, just knowing that you had been through that as a child, your health journey, did that shift, like, your spirituality or your mom's spirituality at all? And how do you see, like, spiritual health playing into what children are going through right now and trying to work through this trauma after the pandemic? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. You know, I, I think it's worth like just being honest that I think at some point feeling like it was not fair may have led my mom to be a little like um, separated from her spiritual spiritual journey like to, to feel like why is this happening to our family to feel angry a little bit at times uh, so I, I don't think it's only it's so simple the relationship between spirituality and health but uh, that said I do think that your spirituality can play a huge role in promoting your well-being I think a lot of the 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 tenants of you know psychotherapy are also like part and parcel with spirituality you know like one is prayer but meditation 
and and what it's like a, a faith organization, but like a community of, of people who are who are are committed to supporting each other and their journey. Um, so so I do think that that there's a lot of good that can come from embracing your spirituality in terms of promoting your health. And I think that um, I actually just to earlier did a talk at my church about like parenting in a pandemic. Uh, and what I said was, I think that like part of the worst thing about the pandemic is all the isolation. But just as I was talking about those safe, stable, nurturing relationships, like you can find this from any community organization, right? Whether it's like a sporting activity your kid's really into or a school activity they feel very committed with or like a church or a spiritual group where you can hopefully find like-minded people who connect with your family and can be like one of those supportive influences in your life. So I, I hope that, um, that, that your listeners can find sort of, they can either find like peace in their spiritual journey or community. I think either of those would be like a big win. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, as kids are going through this next school year, I remember back to when my parents got divorced and my mom was very proactive and taking, you know, us to counseling. And I remember the counselor saying, you know, Julie's not dealing with this. She's sweeping it under the rug and she's going to need to deal with it years later. How do they know that, right? Like how can you see that within your child that maybe they're perhaps like sweeping it under the rug? I, I asked this because at the time I remember feeling like, no, I'm not. I'm totally good. Like, I don't need to process this any more than I already have because I feel like maybe at that age, I didn't have all of the tools to process what had just happened. And I needed to live a little bit in order to gain some insight in order to look back at it. So can you speak to that at all, too, with relation to what kids are going through now? Yes, I think it's a great uh, topic to discuss because while we all want to be proactive at preventing our children from struggling with mental health issues, we also don't want to like medicalize their childhood. Or, or pathologize, you know, their reaction to stressors. So while I talked earlier about how I do expect rates of like anxiety and depression to increase, it's totally possible that some children will, will just sail through this experience and, and that it won't knock them off course. I, I think that if your child does seem to be doing well, you, you shouldn't waste your energy worrying too much about that. Um, it's possible that it won't come back up. I think it's a little bit different when you think about children reacting to divorce because our um, adult relationships sometimes serve as models for what we replicate in our relationships when, when we're older. So like as a child, when you see your parents dealing with divorce and, and understanding who they are as adults and understanding how relationships can be good and bad and healthy and unhealthy, I think uh, we do have a tendency to kind of replicate the patterns we observe as children. So I think it's a little bit different in that way. That, But in that setting, it's like you can't force the reckoning of that when you're developmentally not ready to process those things. 
Yeah. Um, you just have to kind of wait and see if it, if and when it comes up and work through it at that time. Um, but with the pandemic changes, I think children may face some like more direct stressors, right? Like, like yesterday, last year I had to wear a mask and this year I don't. And am I safe? And so sometimes I think children are just looking for confidence and consistency and clarity from the people around them about like, yes, you are safe and promoting their sense of safety is, is important. And I think the other piece that's very basic to children is their stamina. Some families oh, have been in touch with me and it's like, we didn't do as many activities during the pandemic, but we found a lot of joy and free play or hiking or like letting the kids roam around the neighborhood more than they did before the pandemic. Everybody was around. Uh, and in some ways, there have been good things about the pandemic that that it I would encourage people to try to like hold on to as we move back. Because some people may be tempted to just jump back into what maybe were overscheduled lives. And, and I think that when children are adapting to school, there's this phenomenon, it's called after school restraint collapse, <laughs> which is like a child who holds it together at school all day and has great behavior and does well in school and then comes home and it's just like tantruming with their parents and, and emotional and difficult behavior in the afternoons. And part of it is because they just run out of energy. They kind of like hold it all together through the school day. And I think this school year, more than ever, we should be aware of the fact that our kids might have gotten used to like having less activity and less stimulation. It's going to be a lot. It's going to take a lot for them to kind of get back in the rhythm. So sometimes just leaving more free time and leaving more rest time can make the transitions go a little bit more smoothly. Oh, I love that. What are some of the other great things that we can look at that like cup half full, good things that came out of the pandemic for children or families? Yeah, I think for some, some people, remote work has provided them with an opportunity to spend more time with their loved ones. I know like a lot of parents who never made it home for dinner um, because of their commutes and such were able to be more present. So that's been nice. I think now our new familiarity with Zoom and, and, and FaceTime and all this, like uh, I never before the pandemic let my son play video games, but now he's been playing video games with his cousin, even though they're like on the <laughs> other side of the country. And it's like, that's a nice thing that he can remotely connect with other friends that he wouldn't be able to see, you know, like normally we only see them a couple of times a year because they're on the other side of the country, but that he can play with them every week now, even if it is on the screen. So I, I don't know. Those are some of the examples of positives that I've, I've experienced personally. My family did more hiking, more cooking, those kind of simple things. That's awesome. That's so awesome. So any last thoughts too, you know, just about the 2021-2022 school year of you know, any words of wisdom to parents and kids as, as they go through the, the beginning and back to school? Yeah, you know, back to school, it's always an adjustment. And, and it can take six weeks, really, before you get into the flow of like a productive classroom, knowing the expectations and uh, seeing the performance. And I think we have to also be aware that the last year has been so hard on educators in our communities that it's really stretched our teachers having to having to pivot to remote learning and and a lot of children may be a little bit behind going into the school year 
and parents may be anxious for them to catch up and get get on target. But I would really encourage parents not to worry too much about that and to be patient both with your children and with educators because um, it's a lot. And it, I think it will take some time to catch up and to get there. And we want, I think, in the long run, I think we're, what we're talking about in terms of supporting mental health is so key to our success, you know, supporting our mental health, supporting our relationships and our sense of safety in our community. I think that the academics will catch up over time. So if you're feeling like your your child is going into the school, you're academically behind, you know, I would just try to remember that it's the benchmarks we have for learning are all kind of like artificially created. Like if they're, if they're late to learn, like how to read, like it's in the long run, it's going to be okay. And that there, there sometimes are more important things to focus on. So I hope that can help parents to worry a little bit less. Oh my goodness. Of course, you know, we have a whole crew of art or like kind of like more like your extracurricular teachers because my husband is a band director at a middle school. And, you know, I know that they're all like kind of cringing inside and feel very, very anxious because they're worried about their fall concerts and their spring concerts where these kids have taken some time off of this too. And the teachers a lot of times are perfectionists that just want to put that on. So I all the educators here really appreciate you um, just kind of saying have that patience and have that love for them too this year. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think, I think we just, I think the grace and the understanding that like it's been a lot. And, and of course we're not operating at a hundred percent productivity when we're also like adapting to ever changing guidelines and, and ever changing levels of risk in our communities, so much uncertainty. Like, I think we just need to, need to give ourselves and our other the other people in our community some some patience and some love to go through this process. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Dr. Kelly Braden, your book, we're going to put that on uh, the show notes, Parenting in a Pandemic. Thank you so much for being here. Where can people find you? Are you on Instagram at all? Yes. Yes. Um, I have an Instagram account. It's called Advice I Give My Friends because it's like, you know, the parenting and health tips I tell, tell my friends. Uh, so I'm on there way too much. If people <laughs> want to reach out and connect with me there, that'd be great. It's on Facebook too. I love that. I love that. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Braden. So nice meeting you. You too. Beautiful souls, I'm so excited to announce that my book on angels and how they're working miracles in your life will be available on Amazon fall of 2021. If you're listening on or after fall of 2021, check it out. Friends, if you'd like to work with me each week, my angel membership program is perfect for you. You can join at any time and you get access to past courses. In 2021, I'll be teaching you about a new topic each month. We started the year in February with a course on oneness and raising your vibration. March is angel communication, how to hear your angels. April is trusting your intuition. May is knowing your soul's purpose. June is working with Archangel Raphael to learn self-energy healing techniques and Chakras 101. July is rewriting the stories you've been holding on to. 
August is all about rewiring your mind to move past blocks. September is energetically working through ancestral trauma. October is working with your inner child and Archangel Michael. November is a guide to being an empath. Then we're rounding out the year with a course in December that helps you connect with your loved ones on the other side to help you deepen your personal connection with them. And in January 2022, we'll be back with a whole new course on manifestation and co-creation. You get all of this live group access to me, two new pre-recorded Reiki healings, and advance notice to book a session with me when you're an angel member. Sign up for the angel membership anytime. If you're listening in 2022, please know that we're planning to add new content each month. For details and to sign up, view the show notes below. Friends, the only thing that's not included in the angel membership right now is the Angel Reiki School, where you learn to develop your unique spiritual gifts. Whereas the angel membership is about your awakening journey and your personal spiritual growth, the Angel Reiki School, on the other hand, certifies you as an Angel Reiki Master Teacher and teaches you the art of energy healing and bringing through messages for your clients. Friends, if you're feeling called to the Angel Reiki School, it's because the souls you're here to help on earth, well, they're omnipresent piece of them. You know, their higher selves on the other side. That's what's behind you, pushing you, fueling you to become who you're meant to be. Because when you do, they know your work will shift the trajectory of their life here. That's what I mean when I say you have big, big purpose in this lifetime. A new class of the Angel Reiki School starts on the first of each month. Speaking of the Angel Reiki School, we're going to need about 800 volunteers this year. We select volunteers from people who've written a five-star positive review and emailed us a copy. That way, we have a way of contacting you for your free volunteer session. Many of you have asked if I'm still booking sessions, and the answer to that is yes. I love, love, love my sessions with you. We have a new system where we send out an email once a month with a link to my calendar for you to book online. It's really easy. All you have to do is sign up to be on my email list on my website, theangelmedium.com. I've been spending a ton of time going live with you on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook, and I'm having a blast with it. Join me over on social and our newly launched YouTube channel for tons of new content, teaching videos, and actual video footage of these podcast episodes. Friends, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so, so much for being part of this community and listening to this show. I truly feel that this is your show and the angels show, and I just feel so blessed to be a part of it. You're the most supportive community a podcaster could have. I pray for you every day. If you have a special prayer request, you can submit it through my website homepage and I'll be praying for you personally. Now for the oneness meditation, which is the last five minutes of every episode. 
And as you do this meditation, you'll raise your vibration and the vibration of the planet. Friends, what I want you to do is to just get into a relaxed position. If you are driving, operating machinery, need to concentrate, then this meditation is not for you. But anyone who is able to focus their attention on it, please join me. Friends, I want you to start by taking a deep breath in and a deep breath out. to imagine that your socks, your shoes are off, and that your bare feet are able to connect with the soil of the earth. And down through the bottom, the soles of your feet are these large roots that go down far and wide into the earth. Those roots go down far and wide, anchoring you into the earth as if you were a tree yourself. And up through those roots comes this beautiful, yummy, tingly energy. Begins to tingle at the tip of your toes. I want you to allow this yummy, tingly energy to just dance up over your feet, around your ankles. Feel this yummy, tingly energy as it moves up over your calves, your shins, all the way up to your knees. Feel this energy at your knees and allow it to move up the thighs, the hamstrings all the way up to the sides of the hips. I want you to allow this energy to move from the hips up to the base of your spine, the base of your stomach. And I want you to feel this energy as it climbs up the spine and the stomach all the way up until it reaches your heart. opening at the crown of your head. 
It's the size of a cereal bowl, right? And I want you to imagine that it extends upwards towards heaven and that God sends this loving, peace-filled oneness energy. It's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's bliss, it's ease, it's grace. And God just sends this energy through the crown of your head. It moves through your head, down through your neck, down through your shoulders, and it starts to pool. This God energy starts to pool around your heart, within your heart. And I just want you to feel that for a moment. And I want you to just tap in and notice. I want you to notice that your heart, your physical heart, is one with your body. And I want you to notice that your heart and your body are one with the air surrounding you. that your heart, your body, the air surrounding you are one with all life here on earth, all plants, all people, all animals, all life on earth. And now notice how your heart, body, air surrounding you, all life here on Did you notice how your body got more expansive, your energy got more expansive, and you could feel out into your auric field, you could feel out into the energy of the world, into the energy of everything everywhere. Friends, that is oneness, and you can carry oneness with you in your everyday don't want you to stop here. I don't want you to open up your eyes. I want you to continue this meditation and to see that surrounding you are angels. You have guardian angels around you. You have cherub angels holding the space open for you to get into oneness at any time. You have archangels working with you in every area of your life. You have loved ones on the other side. See them. See them in detail, friends, because you seeing them in detail is the exact same thing as you going to them on the other side, knocking on their door, asking them to spend time with you. They love you so incredibly much. They want to spend time with you. They want to develop that relationship with you. When they're there, you're here. I know it's different, but you can still have that beautiful, incredible relationship. All of these beings, your angels, your guides, your loved ones on the other side, they form your spirit team who's always working to guide you, direct you, protect you. Friends, what I want you to do is just take some time with them right here, right now. What they want you to know is that they are working with you all the time. 
What they want you to know is that they are sending you signs and symbols to show you that they're next to you. Friends, they ask you to see that they are bringing in gift after gift after gift through your heart chakra to bless your life with miracles. Friends, it's your job to remain open, to believe, and to trust that they are working miracles in your life. Friends, I love you. They love you so incredibly much. Stay open and know, believe, trust, have faith. Know like you know like you know that they are working with you always. See you here next time. Have a blessed day.